In the past, loyalty programs tended to only benefit the customer, with little tangible reward for the merchants issuing them. And though they may have helped to encourage customers to stick with certain brands, the brands themselves didn't always get a lot back in return. But now there's a newer, more sophisticated loyalty program technology on the market, and it's working for merchants just as much as it is for consumers. The point here is merchants actually get some of their money back with these types of programs. They're funding the program through the interchange costs, but they're driving the customer back to them. They're not having to pay anything extra. So in some respects, they're getting a bit of a rebate. So it's truly driving business back to them. And the rewards the merchants are getting aren't just monetary. They're helping them to better understand their customers too. The data is really proving the value in this case. And I would say what's very powerful for us to see is the number of repeat transactions. In other words, the tendency that to go back to the same store and redeem again if there's enough loyalty currency for that offer to be presented, which effectively drives the stickiness, which is everything that obviously merchant and financial institution are all about. This is Financial Futures, the podcast that charts the frontiers of fintech innovation. And in this series, we're examining a new generation of intelligent tools that are set to transform key monetary products and services, making them fit for modern financial institutions and their customers. I'm your host, Erin Dangler. And in today's episode, we're exploring the next evolution in rewards and loyalty programs. We'll find out how tokenization is making rewards programs work for customers, merchants, and financial institutions. And we'll discover how this technology could help institutions to stand out from the crowd in an ever more technologically advanced and competitive landscape. And joining us in today's episode are Managing Director at PwC, Doug Dwyer, and Director of Loyalty at FIS, Maladin Vladek. When we think of loyalty programs, the images that usually come to mind are of wallets bloated with plastic cards, receiving stamps with coffee purchases, and spending tense minutes at the checkout trying to remember passwords and login information. But with tokenization, these anxiety-inducing thoughts will be a thing of the past. In the past, loyalty programs weren't all that intelligent. And we like to say they gave away money that they didn't have to give away because they weren't, quote-unquote, smart about it. And then they got a little bit more driven towards driving behavior with punch card programs and things like that. But what tokenization did was really provide a way for a consumer to use any card in their wallet, identify that with, with a retailer or a merchant, assign a token to it, and track your spending in a passive manner. So the retailers were able to track your spending or anyone's spending behind the scenes. It also simplified the enrollment process and was able to allow you to not use a specific tender, not use another card, not have to share any personal information if you didn't want to share your mobile phone number or your home phone number or anything like that. So it made it easier for the consumer as well and provided 
the ability for merchants to gain a lot more insights and drive more specific behavior. So let me expand on that a little bit or ask a little bit more. I guess, how does that tokenization work? I mean, because I still go to many stores and I have to punch in my number and I have an account and a password. So when does it become automatic? There's not a lot of automatic programs out there, but tokenization, how that works is when you dip your card the first time, it assigns the token to your card. So it replaces your card number because that's sensitive information, right? With a token, which is a random number. So every time that card is recognized at that retailer or merchant, it will do a lookup and it'll identify, oh, this token belongs to Aaron, and it'll record that transaction. But the FIS solution works in an elevated way, much more elevated way than that. So, uh, I mean, Laden, do you want to describe that? Premium Payback is the name of the FIS solution, but it's really FIS's pay-with points type of the product that effectively allows cardholders to redeem their loyalty currency, if you will, in real time at the point of sale by simply using their payments card. And if we think about the evolution of the loyalty space, I would say this is uh, probably in the last couple of decades, the largest disruption to that experience. And because we know that the consumers are expecting immediacy. And if there's any friction in any experience that we all know, that then means that there's a lack of engagement. So if we remove the friction associated with that experience, then we are going to drive the adoption up. And so if you think about traditional redemption experience, it was always associated by going to the website and looking through the catalog or logging to the app, activating the offer, and then taking advantage of the offer of the content that is presented to the end user. This solution is effectively removing all of those, I would argue, obstacles to the adoption. So by simply using a, a payment card for the purchase this, that has this benefit attached to it, right? You are recognized, to Doug's point, as a participant in the program. You're recognized that there is a loyalty currency that is available to be used. And that loyalty currency as an offer is introduced in real time at the pin pad or e-commerce experience at the screen as you go through the checkout. And the consumer is making decision in real time whether or not they want to monetize their loyalty currency. And I would say that is a major step forward in this evolution because for the longest time, loyalty was a separate currency that interacted with the end user in a separate way. And consumers are looking for everything to be embedded in one experience and removing the friction. So I want to ask, how recent is this? Because I haven't really fully experienced it yet. And I'm very curious. Is this, it sounds very revolutionary to me. I would say it's a relatively new concept. We embarked on this journey I would say five, six years ago with one merchant in the fuel space. And so that merchant was our retail loyalty client and we had financial institution portfolio and we observed this, you know, change in the consumer preferences and we see this retail and the financial space coming closer together in that kind of in a big way proved to us that we are onto something that is going to change the way that we think about the financial institution loyalty. 
So we started in the fuel space and it worked tremendously well. And then we embarked on the journey to continue to add merchants. And that is a tremendous undertaking, having the ability to interact with the consumer at the point of sale at all merchant locations requires that you do a massive amount of integration to be able to facilitate that experience. But I would say that the value prop, both to the financial institution, to the consumer and to the merchant, right, is why it's continuing to gain so much interest in the market space. And just last month, we deployed this functionality at all of the Walmart stores nationwide. And I absolutely anticipate that the relevance and the adoption of these types of programs will just continue to increase in coming years. And Aaron, if I may, I'd like to double click on the value prop. The merchant's always been the long pole in the tent. So for the FI who was issued the payment card, telling the consumer you can earn points by using this card, that's an easy and straightforward value prop, right? It drives the consumer to use the card because they earn points and like Madden said, if you have more optionality around where to use those points, and if you can use them automatically, that's fantastic. How do you get the merchants to sign up? What's their incentive? That's always been the struggle. So it happens behind the scene. Many of the more advanced loyalty programs, it's all about analytics. You don't want to give Aaron a value prop to drive Aaron to do something that she's already going to do or won't be able to do. That's where the analytics come into play. And being able to provide those insights to the merchants and also be able to provide them the ability to influence behavior and gain more insights on their customers, that's where you get their adoption. And in the case of using points as a tender, there's other value as well. So in this case, that transaction doesn't carry any cost. In payment transactions, there's cost. There's interchange costs, there's network costs, and things like that. So if you can provide a lower cost transaction to the merchant with insights, that's where you're getting them over the finish line. So talk to me a little bit about what loyalty points and programs mean to customers. Like, how often does this turn into more dollars for the merchant? When an individual is using the points as a tender at the point of sale, there's almost always uplift. So when you think about it, when you go in and you use a gift card, when you use that as a tender or use value at a point of sale at a merchant, you unconsciously will spend more. You may have gone in and thought, oh, I just want to buy this. But if you know you have a free ticket in your wallet, you spend more. And that's been proven time, time, and time again. That's the biggest value for the merchant. But also being able to gain insights. Payments are pretty anonymous, right? Unless you're king in your mobile number or king in a, a loyalty number, which many people don't want to, a passive way of tracking this spend and driving behavior and providing rewards to get those return visits and drive the uplift in the sale. And every merchant is different, right? Their uplift is different, but it can, you know, in many cases, it can be as much as 30% uplift, which is huge. That's the perfect storm, if you will. And the data is really proving the value in this case. And I would say what's very powerful for us to see is the number of repeat transactions. In other words, the tendency that to go back to the same store 
and redeem again if there is enough loyalty currency for that offer to be presented, which effectively drives the stickiness, which is everything that obviously merchant and financial institution are all about. But, you know, I do want to add just another maybe component in terms of how powerful this as a tool is, you know, we are all marketers, right? And we spend a lot of time, energy and effort to, to think about, analyze the customer and then come up with the content and communicate in a meaningful way to the consumer. In this case, there is a component, I would say, I would break the consumer population in two buckets. There are those that are going to pay attention to the marketing content sent to them, advertising availability, if you will, of this experience prior to them making the purchase. So they consciously found the value and they acted. But the beauty of this type of approach is the fact that even those customers that didn't read the marketing message, if they go to the store, use the card and have a loyalty currency, they're going to be presented with an offer. And there, there's a concept of surprise and delight. Like I didn't expect something to happen or value to receive and it happened. The concept of the emotional loyalty that becomes more and more relevant. And I would argue when you are presented with something and you save five, $10 at the point of sale that you didn't expect to save on the purchase, it goes a long way in terms of driving the attachment to that brand. And that is what's so powerful about this approach because even if you don't react to the marketing message, it doesn't exclude you from taking advantage of this or being part of that experience, which is extremely powerful. Modern rewards programs are important for many reasons. They provide customers with much needed offers and points to use as currency, especially in financially difficult times. And they help merchants and institutions to better understand their customers by tracking spend activity. But tokenization isn't just helping brands to stay top of wallet and consumers to increase their spending power. It's helping to make the world a better place by enabling faster, frictionless, charitable donations. So first, to spend a couple of minutes on, on why are these programs important in the first place. I would say it's ultimately the quest to stay relevant. If we think about pre-COVID and then COVID and now post-COVID environment, and we think about disruption in terms of how consumers behave, or what they expect of brands. I would say they're absolutely a necessity for brands to stay relevant in today's marketplace. But then I go back to something that I mentioned earlier. I think it's more and more about engagement, even more than it's about loyalty, because it doesn't necessarily have to include a tangible value being given or exchanged as a result of the behavior that I performed as a consumer, as a customer, it goes about being relevant and knowing it's my birthday or my flight is delayed and I'm getting the some messaging that makes me feel better at the time when my day doesn't go as planned. I do believe that being and staying relevant is absolutely crucial for brands today. No, I was going to say, Aaron, to touch upon your, your donation of points to charities, I think where that's important and that's near and dear to my heart, I love that capability, is being able to offer another reason for consumers 
to engage in a program. There are many consumers who aren't all that interested in signing up with a loyalty program. This can put them over the edge. Many of us, like you and I, will we'll sign up. We don't have those hurdles in place. But give someone another reason to be able to sign up for a program and specifically donating their points to a charity. That's, that's huge. That crosses just another hurdle. One of the main reasons people don't want to sign up for programs is because they don't want to share their personal information. This could put them over the hurdle. That's amazing. I didn't even think about that. So how do you do that with tokenization? Works the same way. You're offering another redemption option, right? Optionality is really big. Traditionally, it was go online, select something from a catalog. It's seven or eight steps, right, in order to get something redeemed. Nowadays, you can go into the store and actually redeem your points automatically through the point of sale. In this case, you can automatically have your points donated to a charity or go online and select the charity of your choice and split your points amongst a variety of different charities. But tokenization, that simplifies the enrollment. It works exactly the same way. It happens on the back end, just like the analytics happen. This happens on the back end. So you, Aaron, as a consumer, can register and you can say, I automatically want my points to go to this charity, my favorite charity, or you can go ahead and split it amongst other charities or do it at a point in time. You can say, I want 70% of it to go to the charity. I'm going to spend the other 30%. That's wonderful. I had never heard of that before. Maladin, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, the only thing from the technology standpoint that I want to mention is that we definitely came a long way. And there are now aggregators that have integration into every single 501c organization in the country, which is around 1.2 million nonprofit organizations, which then allows providers, loyalty providers, to be able to customize the offering because every person, every community, every financial institution, every merchant is going to be a little bit different. So the ability to select the charity of the choice based on what's relevant to your customer base and then being able to facilitate this redemption as Doug described is so relevant and it's so available today nationwide compared to just short couple years ago where it was very cumbersome in terms of making that happen on a regular quick basis. So we've talked a lot about the relevance. We've talked about the benefits of having loyal customers. We've talked about the benefits for merchants offering modern loyalty. How does a merchant go about starting this kind of program? How do they use your product? If you think about today's marketplace, there's so many products and services that are absolutely commoditized and you know the consumer has so many choices. So it's all about you know, standing out and finding a way to differentiate your brand, your offering compared to the competition. In many respects, that that becomes very, very difficult. And that's where and that's how the conversation about adding the loyalty component to the brand becomes relevant. I would say that there's so many brands that do such a good job in terms of Coming up with the broader strategy within many instances is a multi-phase, a multi-year type of approach, and then executing that in phases. And I would say the number one step on that journey is really to spend time to analyze and understand your customer. 
and then build hyper-personalized type of offers and content that is going to be relevant is crucial. There are specific circumstances to every merchant, to every retailer, to every financial institution in the country, even though they offer the same product or services as their competitor across the street. It could be about the the history, how the business got started. It could be the distribution of their branches or their locations. There's something different and unique about every brand. And so the brands that execute well on the loyalty front, they spend time embedding those differentiators into their offering, into their content, and into their messaging to their end users. And that ultimately is what helps, once again, drive that experience so that customers feel that they're getting something special by spending their funds at that merchant. While all this talk of modern loyalty programs, tokenization, and frictionless reward redemption might sound like a far-off concept, the reality is that this technology is already up and running. And customers don't even have to look too hard to experience the service, because it's available at their local Walmart. We have been in a conversation with Walmart for some time about this type of solution, and they always expressed interest about participating in the program. In terms of the reasons why they found this program so appealing, ultimately was to give more buying power to the consumer and combine that with everyday low price that they offer. So we know that there is budget conscious consumer that goes to the Walmart. So the ability to give them another payment tender to increase their buying power was just enormously important, I would say, to FIS and to Walmart. And that's why we forged this partnership. And so so I would say the ability to increase the buying power for the consumer at the point of sale and by introducing another payment tender at all of their stores was the main driver for their interest to join the network. To demystify how this works on the back end, I had mentioned before that every payment carries a cost. It costs merchants to accept payments. And I mentioned interchange. So each card type carries a different interchange rate, which results in a different cost at the point of sale that the merchant has to pay to accept that payment tender. With rewards costs, there is a a different price associated with that. The point here is merchants actually get some of their money back with these types of programs. They're funding the program through the interchange costs, but they're driving the customer back to them. They're not having to pay anything extra. So in some respects, they're getting a bit of a rebate. So it's truly driving business back to them. But when those cards are used anonymously, merchants are paying the higher interchange rate for these types of payment tenders, but they're not necessarily driving that customer back to their store. And in this case, actually driving revenue back to their store as well. So, What benefits has Walmart seen? What are they reporting back? We are seeing the early results that are pretty much matching the experience we witnessed with merchants that are now live for two, three years. Just very, very promising results so far. So what are the next steps for this evolution in rewards and loyalty? I mean, this sounds like it's so 
brand new in some ways. What do you see moving forward? I would say as a loyalty marketer, this is actually a pretty exciting time to be part of this industry. In this post-COVID environment, every brand out there is looking for ways to either position or reposition their brands to stay relevant to the consumer. So it's a pretty exciting time. I believe that we will see more and more of enterprise type of approach to the loyalty, especially in the financial institution arena and partially because of the new breed of competition, right? That is taking the wallet share and market share from the financial institutions. And so I do believe that more effectively using loyalty as the approach allows you to drive and solidify that relationship with the, with the customer against the new breed of competition. I also believe in terms of what we will see more and more in the future is the concept of uh, embedded loyalty. So it's not separated in some website that is disconnected from the rest of the payments and uh, banking relationship that you have with the brand. And I guess my final comment would be when it comes to data, I honestly believe that it's a two-way street between the brand and the consumer. Consumers in my opinion, despite all of the challenges and concerns, they're willing to give information as long as they know that their information is going to be used in a responsible way and and that as a result of them giving that information, they will be treated in a different way by having more relevant content. And I do believe just like in every relationship, it's absolutely based on trust. If I give information and I see the benefit, and as long as my privacy is respected, I will feel comfortable to give you more information if I get more in return. So I do believe that data will continue to play a crucial role in the overall kind of relationship and ecosystem between the brand and the consumer, and then obviously specifically in the loyalty as well. Comes down to trust. I love that. Doug, do you want to chime in? I think that these marketplace loyalty programs will continue to grow for the same reason I said before, Aaron. Merchants have been funding these programs for a while through the higher interchange on these cards, but many of the rewards were redeemed by consumers either online for travel rewards or catalogs or things like this. These programs drive the consumer back to the merchants who were paying for that transaction initially, right? So... Merchants love this. Not only are they getting the foot traffic and they're getting the uplift, but those points that were being funded by higher interchange, that value is coming back to the merchant. So it's it's almost a no-brainer for merchants to sign up for programs like these. I know it's it's harder than that, Mladen. It's harder to get them over the finish line, but it's finally a situation where merchants can reap rewards from these programs directly and trace it. The analytics are are critical. Being able to trace that, that activity, understand the behavior and track that spending. So with this being such new technology and so relevant and can really help the bottom line for both merchants and consumers, how do we get that awareness and education out there to understand it and to see the benefits that it can provide? It's a journey, but I do believe that if there's one positive of this whole COVID experience that we all lived through over the course of the last two, two and a half years is that all of the disruption 
that we started seeing prior to COVID just accelerated during the COVID. And in many respects, it was a catalyst for brands to be thinking and consumers is to start expecting more. And then for brands, retailers, financial institutions to respond to that demand in a very different way. And I would argue we are seeing that just throughout 2022 and all of the challenges we have seen in the marketplace, we are absolutely seeing that the brands are paying more attention and doing more to meet the changing consumer expectations. Doug, you want to have a final word here? Vladin said it very well. I think consumers will help drive this. Walmart signing up for this program was a catalyst, right? Consumers will be aware of it. They'll go to other retailers. They'll ask, why aren't you part of this program? That will drive some additional engagement as well. You're raising the bar, so you're, you're raising consumers' expectations, and they'll drive broader adoption, and they'll demand it in some respects. Doug Dwyer is Managing Director at PwC, and Maladin Vladik is Director of Loyalty at FIS. That's it for today's show. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time when we'll discover how technology is transforming wealth management from the back office to user experience.